0: Iranivamos Aleph twenty A four in the Archgull Gemara. The Gemara now is going to discuss the case of Isser Kedusha in our Mishnah. Uh, the various cases where there is a biblical prohibition for the brother in law to marry the sister in law, even in a case of Ibam, even if there's even if you, if you ignore the brother in law, sister in law relationship, which is usually a prohibition outside the context of Yibam, but there's a different issue, there's a different uh, prohibition that exists, besides for the brother-in-law and sister-in-law relationship, and the mission describes various cases where there's a biblical prohibition, but it's not as severe, it's not as severe with the punishment of Kharis, it's, uh, it's less severe, it's a normal law, it's a regular law of a regular negative commandment, and it gave various examples, like the Kohen Gadol, the high priest marrying a widow, or a regular Kohen marrying a divorcee. Or a Jew marrying a mamzer. All of those cases are cases where uh, it's a prohibition. It's a Torah prohibition, uh, but the punishment is not karehs. So the Gemara is going to try to understand the law is that you don't do yibam, but you do do chalitza. So there's no yibam, but there is chalitza. So the question is why? Why would it be that there's no yibam, but there is Chalitza. So the Gemara says as follows, Kapasik V'tani. The Mishnah said, and the Gemara right now is, is discussing the case of the Kohen Gadol, uh, the brother-in-law is the Kohen Gadol, and the sister-in-law is automatically a widow. Her husband passed away. And the Gemara says, Kapasik V'tani, Loshna The Mishnah does not qualify and explain whether or not the brother-in-law and sister-in-law were only engaged, halachically engaged, or they actually got married. What's the difference? Why, why is the Gemara discussing this? Because it does make a difference. A Kohen Gadol is not allowed to marry somebody who already had marital relations, sexual relations. The Kohen Gadol is not allowed to marry somebody who previously had marital relations. And so if they were just only halachically engaged, so then the only issue is the fact that she's a widow. Which is a negative commandment, but if she also got married, so then there's an additional issue. The additional concern is not just that she's a widow right now, but also the Kohen Gadol is not allowed to marry her because they already had marital relations. She had marital re- relations with her husband, with the brother. Uh, so that would be an additional concern. So the Gemara says, I understand Bishlam and Nisu, and I understand why the law is that you cannot do Yibum in a case where the husband passed away after they got completely married. Why? Because then there are two issues. There's the negative commandment of marrying a widow. The Kohen Gadol, the high priest, is not allowed to marry a widow. But the high priest also, the Kohen Gadol, cannot marry somebody who already had marital relations. And that's a violation of a positive commandment that he's supposed to marry somebody who never had marital relations before. Uh, So then... We're not going to say in that case that yibum, which is a positive commandment, should override both a negative commandment and a positive commandment, because he would have to override a negative and positive commandment for him, for the brother-in-law to do yibum to marry the sister-in-law. So that I understand, there's no mitzvah of yibum in that case. That makes sense because we wouldn't say that the positive commandment overrides the negative commandment and the positive commandment. Now, this really, this discussion really goes back to what we discussed at the very beginning of the tractate, of the Mesechta, when we discussed, we had a lot, we had a, a few weeks where we were discussing the concept of Esed Docha say that a positive commandment overrides a negative commandment. And so over there, we said that a positive commandment does override a, a regular negative commandment. It might not override a negative commandment which is very severe, uh, that gets the punishment of Kares, but it does override a regular negative commandment. So, but what we're saying over here is that What we're trying to figure out is why isn't there yibam? We should be saying that yibam is a positive commandment. To marry the widow is a regular negative commandment. It's not severe, so then the positive commandment should override the negative commandment. That was the principle that we had earlier on in the tractate, and at that time we said that the reason for this, one of the reasons that's given, is that the positive commandment represents your love of God. To fulfill the mitzvot, to refrain from violating a negative commandment is showing your fear of God that you're refraining from a violation and that when the two come in a clash, so then the positive commandment overrides the negative commandment, the love, or maybe in that context, the love overrides everything, and it's not like uh, there's even the aspect of fear there, but the love overrides uh, overrides the fear, the positive commandment overrides the negative commandment. So that's true, the, Mish- the Gemara says that's true, with regards to a positive commandment and a negative commandment. But what happens in, in our case, where... Uh, they were already married, they already had the husband and wife, the brother and the sister-in-law already had marital relations, so then it's a then it's a violation of both a positive commandment of the fact that the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, is supposed to marry somebody who was never married before, and it's a violation of the negative commandment to marry a widow. So in that case, I understand why there's no yibum because the positive commandment of yibum will not override both a positive commandment, the violation of a positive commandment, and the violation of a negative commandment. So that makes sense. That case makes sense. The Gemara now asks, However, if it's only while they were engaged, they were, if they were only engaged, and then the brother passes away, halakhically engaged, so then, why can't the brother-in-law do even with the sister-in-law? It's true, it's a violation of a negative commandment, because the coming gadol cannot marry uh, a widow, but still, There's a positive commandment of Yibam. The Yibam, the positive commandment of Yibam should override the negative commandment of, and there's only one negative commandment of, the Kohen Gadol marrying the widow. Why don't we say that? And that question really, the commentators explain, it really applies to all the other cases that we have. The Kohen Hedgehog, the regular Kohen, is not allowed to marry a divorcee, somebody who was divorced before. So if you also have that case where the brother is a Kohen, a regular Kohen doesn't have to be a Kohen Gadol, a regular Kohen and his sister-in-law was in a previous marriage where they got divorced. Uh, so, then over there too, why don't we say that Yibom, which is a positive commandment, overrides an ordinary negative commandment. Why don't we say that? Which goes back to our principles that we discussed in the very beginning of the tractate. So, the Gemara is going to give one answer now, and it's eventually going to reject this answer. We might not get to the rejection in this recording, uh, but it will be uh, this answer will be rejected. And in the end of the day, the conclusion of the Gemara will be that really on a biblical level, this is true positive commandments could override the negative commandment, but as we'll see in later recordings that it's a rabbinic decree that you shouldn't do yibam it's purely on a, on a rabbinic level that you shouldn't do yibam and that's why you should do chalitza but that's going to be the second answer which we will get to in a later recording this week but the Gemara is going to give a first answer and that first answer is that even on a biblical level we will say that there's no obligation to do yibam just to do chalitza the mitzvah to do chalitza is on a biblical level and also on a biblical level, it's telling, the Torah tells us that we should not do Yibam in this case. And that, this is very unique, even though it's going to be rejected, but it's still, this is a very unique opinion. We've never had this until now. We've always had that if there's the option of doing Yibam on a biblical level, so then you also have the option of doing Chalitza on a biblical level. The two go hand in hand. We had cases where on a rabbinic level, they said not to do Yibam out of some sort of concern. But on a biblical level, until now, we've only seen Yibam and Chalitza that they're the two go. Hand in hand. If you could do Yibam, you could do Chalitza. If you could do Chalitza, you could do Yibam. Right now is going to be the first time that we see, even though it it will be rejected, but this is the first time that we will see that even on a biblical level, there will be some sort of connection between the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law to only do Chalitza, but not to do Yibam. And that's in this case of where it is a biblical prohibition, but it's a normal, it's a regular negative commandment. It's not a, a very severe negative commandment. And so let's see the Gemara. Amar Rav is going to explain. So why is it? Why don't we say the positive commandment overrides the negative commandment? And so therefore, in these various contexts where it's a regular negative commandment, we should say it still do Yibam. Because of a Pasuk, the Pasuk, it's a, it's a Xeris It's it comes from the Torah, where it says, Amar the Yivimto Hashara. The Pasuk says, the verse has, seems to have an extra word. It mentions Yivimto twice. It says that, referring to the Yivama, to the sister-in-law, it it says it again, even though it already already said it earlier in the verse, it seems superfluous, it seems extra. So why does it add it? Why is it extra? To teach us the following, The context of that verse is discussing the process of chalitza, of doing chalitza, and the extra word is there to teach us that there's one case. The the verse says that if you're not able to do Yibam, then you should do Chalitza. That implies that the two sort of go hand in hand. You can only do Chalitza if you do Yibam. But the extra word tells us to no, know. There's one case where even though you cannot do Yibam, you can still do Chalitza. And what's that case where you're allowed to do Chalitza even though there's absolutely no mitzvah to do Yibam? Even on a biblical level, that case is when the relationship between the brother-in-law and sister-in-law also has an additional ordinary negative commandment uh, within that relationship, uh, such that if the brother-in-law is the Kohen Gadol and the sister-in-law is a widow, which she automatically becomes by her husband passing away, uh, so then there is a negative commandment to marry her, and so therefore in that case, the Torah is telling us to do Halitza, or in the other cases, a regular Kohen, not the Kohen Gadol, but the regular Kohen is not allowed to marry a divorcee. So if the sister-in-law is a divorcee from a previous marriage, there too the Torah is telling us only do chalitza. Do not do yibum, which is a very interesting idea. Because even though there's not, not even an option for yibum, the Torah tells us still do chalitza. So the Gemara says, "Well, how do you know it's referring to an ordinary negative commandment? The Maybe it's referring to cases where it's even a severe negative commandment, whereby a severe negative commandment the Torah is telling us also to do chalitza. And we that's what we had in the first chapter, in the first paragraph in the first Mishnah. We said that you're totally exempt if your sister-in-law is also your daughter." where it would be a very severe uh, prohibition to marry your daughter. Uh, So in that case, we say that there's no mitzvah of Yibam. Uh, So then, why don't we say that the verse over here is teaching us that, no, you should still do Chalitza. So the answer is no, because we have another verse. It's actually the beginning of the same verse. That the verse says in the beginning that if you don't want to do Yibam, then you have the option of Chalitza. The implication is that, in general, we will say that Yibam and Chalitza go together. If you're able to do Yibam, you're able to do Chalitza. If you're not able to do Yibam, you're not able to do Chalitza. And so therefore, in the case of, of kares, where it's a severe negative pro- prohibition, it sub- has a severe punishment, so then we will say that once you're not doing yibum, so then you will also not do Chalitza. The two go together. So the like Gemara says, well, if that's the case, it seems like we have contradictory drushes, con- contradictory implications from, from the Pasuk, so then when it comes to an ordinary negative commandment, why don't we also say the two should go together? Meaning why why in some places do we say the two go together and in some places we don't? So I when I said no, because we have the extra word of Yevimto. The extra word of Yevimto tells us that this is a unique case when it comes to a regular negative commandment, i.e. the case similar to the Kohen Gadol with the widow. So then it's an ordinary negative commandment and the uh, the law should be just do chalitza. So, umar umar so, I understand. We have essentially two different drushas. We have two different inferences from the verse. One says that in a situation where you're not doing Yibam anyways, because there's already a, another relationship, besides for the brother-in-law, sister-in-law relationship, they're related in some other way. Don't do anything. You don't do Yibam and you don't do chalitza. And then there's another inference, which says that you do Khalitza and you don't do Yibam. So how do you know to pick that for one of them it applies to a severe negative prohibition? How do you know that one of them applies to an ordinary negative prohibition? For a regular lab, how do you know when to apply which one to which? How do you you work this out? So the Gemara says as follows. Moving on to Chafam Bez. It's easy to figure it out. It's reasonable. Chai ve'lav and kedushin, It's as follows, and this goes back to a principle that we've discussed in the past as well. When it comes to, according to, uh, according to most, not, not according to everybody, but according to most, if you, if you, if you, if you attempt to marry somebody where it would be viewed as a severe prohibition because the punishment is karis, so then even if you were to attempt to marry them, it wouldn't be viewed as a halakhically valid marriage. Halacha would not recognize that as a a marriage. However, if you just violate an ordinary negative commandment, such as the Kohen Gadol marrying the widow, even though it's forbidden, but halacha does recognize it as a marriage. It would require a divorce document, they're not allowed to remain married, but it would be recognized as a valid marriage. And so the Gemara is telling us that when it's viewed as a valid marriage, even though you're not allowed to do it, such as the case of the Kohen Gadol to the widow, it's an ordinary negative commandment, so then when they're brother-in-law and sister-in-law and it's the Kohen Gadol and the widow, so then we'll say, since if they were even to attempt it, it would work. So then we'll tell you, that's the, that's the situation where the Torah is telling us to do chalitza. But if it's a case where even if you were to attempt it, it wouldn't even be recognized, it wouldn't be recognized at all, so then in that case, there's not even an option at all for yibum. Even if you were to try to violate it, you wouldn't fulfill yibum, And so then, because you wouldn't be viewed as halachically married. So then we would say that certainly chalitza will not apply in that scenario. So chalitza applies only in the scenario where even if you were to attempt it, even though it's forbidden, it would be viewed as a as a halachically valid yibum or a halachically valid marriage. So then we would require chalitza. And that's the answer of the Gemara. And that's what the Gemara assumes until now, that the reason why you have to do chalitza here is based on a specific drasha. It's basic uh, learning a, a way to read the pasach, the verse to tell us that any time where there's an ordinary negative commandment, you have to do chalitza, even though you're exempt from Yibo. So we'll just read a little bit more on the Gemara. The Gemara has one question on this. We'll see other questions that the Gemara has, the Gemara has in another recording, in the next recording. But the Gemara right now has one question on this. Masev Rava. Rava asks, I don't understand. It says in the following b'risa, from the times of the Mishnah, the b'risa says, Isra Mitzvah, isr, whether it's a case of where it's a rabbinic prohibition. Again, the Mishnah also discussed cases of rabbinic prohibitions. Whether you're related to them, the rabbi said that it's an ex- it's an extension of the biblical prohibition. If there's some sort of uh, other relationship where you're you're related to them, so then there's a rabbinic prohibition for certain relationships, uh, or it's referring to the case that we're discussing a biblical prohibition, but it's an ordinary negative commandment. So the law is the Bryce says baaleh olchalitzah. Let's say you did yibam, even though you're not necessarily supposed to do yibam, but you went and you did yibam, or you did a chalitza. So if your brother had two wives, one of them is either rabbinically prohibited to you or biblically prohibited to you, so by doing yibam or chalitza to one, it exempts the other, exempts the co-wife. So it would only exempt the co-wife, the Gemara is going to ask, this only exempts the co-wife if you actually did something which is halachically meaningful. If you did yibam, or if you did a chalitza, and it's viewed as halachically meaningful with one of the wives, so then the law is that you only have to do yibam to one wife, it exempts The other wife. It's only an obligation to do it to one wife. That's also something we've had in the past. The Gemara says, "I don't understand." I don't understand if we're telling us that there's the Torah tells us that when it comes to the Chayvei Lavin, when it comes to the Torah prohibitions, the ordinary Torah, Torah prohibitions that there's an obligation to do chalitza, but there's absolutely no obligation to do yibam. On a Torah level, no obligation to do yibam whatsoever. So what does the brother-in-law accomplish? Let's say he did yibam with the co-wife that he's forbidden to on a biblical level. On a biblical level. So that doesn't accomplish anything because there's no mitzvah to do it. So why would that exempt the co-wife? It only exempts the co-wife if it's meaningful. But it isn't meaningful. I understand to do chalitza. Chalitza is meaningful. The Torah tells us, in that situation, do Chalitza. But to do Yibam, to actually get married and do Yibam, the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law, so that doesn't accomplish anything, because the Torah is telling us that it's, it, you don't accomplish anything by doing Yibam. There is no mitzvah to do Yibam. So why would that exempt the co-wife? It only exempts the co-wife if you actually did something which was halachically meaningful. So the Rabbah himself, he was the one that asked the question, and he himself, he realized the answer. He says, this is how you have to read the B'risa. Let's start him, Katani. Iser, mitzvah, Kedusha. Essentially, the price is saying it's true. If in a case where there's a Torah prohibition to one of the co-wives, to do Yibim with her would be halakhically meaningless, and then you would still have to do Yibim or chalitza with the co-wife. You have not accomplished anything. But the case of the price, which says that if you did Yibim, then it would exempt the co-wife, that's only referring to the case where there's only a rabbinic prohibition. You're only, there's only a rabbinic prohibition to your, to your sister-in-law. Because there's only a rabbinic prohibition, so then on a Torah level, you accomplish something. It's only a rabbinic prohibition. So on a Torah level, you accomplish something. It exempts the co wife. We were only discussing the brother in law, sister in law relationship where there's a negative commandment. Uh, that would only impact the co wife if you did a chalitza, because the Torah tells us to do chalitza. Since the Torah tells us to do chalitza, if you're to do chalitza, the brother in law and the sister in law, where there's already a Torah prohibition, an ordinary Torah prohibition, or whatever the case is, the cases of the mission that we've mentioned before. So then to do Chalitza, that would be meaningful, and that would exempt the co-wife. But in order to do Yibam, it would only be in a situation where uh, there is a, only a rabbinic prohibition. And then the Yibam would be meaningful to exempt the co-wife. So he answers that question by saying it's true. If it's a Torah prohibition, uh, then to do Yibam, that would be meaningless, it wouldn't be meaningful, and then it would not exempt the, uh, the co-wife. So that's his first challenge, and he answers it. In the next recording, he'll challenge... Uh, This explanation with a with a different price.